Hi, you're listening to Food People Are the Best People, a new podcast for people who love food from the Eat, Drink, Dine Network. I'm your host, Judy Ann Wu, and this podcast was inspired by my culinary hero, Julia Child, who once said, People who love to eat are always the best people. I'd have to agree. I believe that some of the best people in the world, the most fun, the most creative, the most passionate people you'll ever meet are people who are just maybe a little obsessed with food. On today's episode seven, I am so excited to be speaking with Brian Roof, executive food editor at Cook's Country Magazine and on-screen test cook and talent for the Emmy-nominated show Cook's Country from America's Test Kitchen. Cook's Country is dedicated to discovering the stories behind some of the best regional foods in America, with recipes tested and perfected to America's test kitchen famously high standards. Born in the Philippines to globe-trotting parents and raised in the American South, Brian now lives in Boston, but is often crisscrossing the country on epic road trips in search of the best that America has to offer. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Likewise. You know why? Because you are, when I think about like food people are the best people, like I totally think of you. (laughs) Oh, you're so nice. You are like this whole this whole podcast is for like someone like you who like loves regional foods, who loves to travel, who loves to talk about food, who knows food. (laughs) I'm I'm here. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. Let's tell people what you do exactly, because it sounds like a dream job. And you could probably say, oh, you know, whatever. It's always still work, but it pretty much is a dream job. Like, how did you? Tell us what you did. I mean, w- w- tell us how you got to where you, you know, came to. Um, but tell us what, really what you do at Cook's Country. All right. So at uh, Cook's Country, I essentially oversee all the recipe development for the magazine. I have my, uh, my right hand, Morgan Bowling, who's really ultimately in charge of all the test cooks and works with them to develop their recipes. And I'm kind of like the last stop before they get published. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I research regional American cuisine and I travel and I go meet people. I cook with home cooks in their, in their homes. Uh, I'll go to restaurants and hang out with chefs and talk about particular dishes they, they specialize in or they're really famous for. Um, but, you know, I kind of seek out the little mom and pop operations as much as possible and try to write stories and let, you know, everybody know that these places are out there because to me, those are the best places. God bless you. I mean, it's, because that's what I love about you, because you like, obviously, you know, you have a culinary background and you've eaten at all the best restaurants and stuff like that. But you really celebrate these kind of like these these things so they don't go away. These stories, these regional dishes, these kind of, you know, people who are doing great things in little corners, like they might be famous in their little pocket of uh, friends or whatever or their community. But, you know, you bring it to a national audience. Yeah, it's. It is a, truly a, you know, a, a blast to do it. You know, I, I love connecting with people who are just really good at what they're doing. You know, from the little uh, gordita maker to the you know, the guys making prime rib, you know, or making brisket in Texas. It's they all got a story to share, and they all, you know, they once you get talking to food people who just love talking about food, you can just sit there for hours and go back and forth, and it's just like 
both geeking out on little details like the the grind oh. of the pepper in the in the rub or something like that. Oh, for sure, for sure. We'll get to that for sure. Um, <laughs> let's tell the people how we met because I, you know, just tell the people how we met. Yeah, so uh, I was coming to, and I, if I leave anything out, you have to jump in. But I was coming <laughs> to Portland, Oregon for my first time, and you, I don't know if somebody. I was connected us in between or Lorraine, Lorraine. <laughs> my friend Larray, who's like my friend Larray, oh, who's Lorraine. Yeah, 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 it was Larray. Okay. Because uh, there's so many people that I, I had to talk to, to to even get over there. Um, yeah, Larray, who uh, connected us because we were trying to get into uh, Olympia Provisions to have a, a quick interview with one of those guys. And you essentially ended up connecting me with many more people. <laughs> well, you were coming into town. I was so excited because I've been a, a fan of America's Test Kitchen and all their family of, you know, publications forever because I really always, have always appreciated, you know, like, you know how people are with recipes. Like, a lot of recipes just don't work. They don't work. I mean, they're great. They're inspiration. And for no fault of the chef or the person who wrote the recipe, um, but there's a lot of factors that go into like if you use the same pan or if your oven's different and stuff like that. But America's Test Kitchen always they would give you the full explanation. They would also give you like recommendations on even like the equipment and all this stuff and like kind of really test kitchen out this full recipe. So they're very, very, very proven recipes. So I always been a big fan of that. So to be I was super excited to meet you. And so I said, yes, you know, so we, you came to Olympia Provisions with your photographer, you know, Steve, <laughs> he's amazing too. Yeah. And we had dinner and you, you know, you obviously you, sh you shot a story for the magazine, but then I think we, we must've, we closed down the place. We were talking for such a long time. You brought me a beautiful bottle of rosé. I mean, you maybe, you maybe don't even remember all this stuff, but it was like, <laughs> we talked about road trips and about like, you know, things that you discover on road trips and I enjoyed that conversation so much. And it reminded me again, how like when you meet another food person, how that you have this instant bond and connection mm -hmm. where you're like, this is my people. And I, I right there, I would have like dropped my job, my job or whatever to uh, be your assistant to go out on these little road trips because it totally sounded like so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, anyway, that's how we met. And so, um, and then we've been, you know, following each other on Instagram and staying in touch. And, um, but it's so fun to see what you've been cooking and what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget that you also developed a recipe for us. It was fantastic. It was my new go to. For, um, I was going to let you bring that up, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you, are, you were one of those people who knew and fully understood recipe development. Uh, and you've pr proven to be the easiest freelancer to work with that oh. I've ever had the pleasure to work with. Oh, stop. No, <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, so, yeah, so when is that recipe coming up for, for people who know me, I've been talking about it forever because I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this because so my um, family has a, a Kaibi Korean, um, barbecue short rib Kaibi recipe. And, um, it's, you know, we make it all the time and I talk about it. And I sometimes, you know, it's one of the few Korean foods I actually make on a regular basis. And you had asked me for this recipe and I was so excited to share it with you. Um, <laughs> the, and you were so great because you were like, make it the way, like, don't dummy it down for the people, like make it the way that you make it. And of course, I always, I always approach recipes as I want people to have success. So I'm not going to give them 
crazy ingredients or crazy thing methods or whatever you know always like but at the same time you were like no no just make like i remember we had this huge batch and we we're like we'll do the whole batch and we'll figure out how we can cut it down so it's reasonable but i so appreciated that it was, it was the, the recipe tasted phenomenal and it worked it was like it did exactly what it said it was going to do it was all measured out in grams and cups and <laughs> And, that was um, bigger than me. So. And there was a, a five-pound batch, a 10-pound batch. It was easy enough for me to cut it in half and do like a three-pound batch. Um, so it was just, it was great. I actually just did, uh, I didn't have some of the ingredients, but I just did an abbreviated version of it to marinate skirt steak the other day. And uh, my family just loves it. My, all my neighbors, because for a while I was making these huge five-pound batches, but you claim it for four people. <laughs> But I, I would have to argue, uh, feed a little bit more than that. So all my neighbors would be around and I'd be like, hey, you want to rip? They smell it, right? They smell it. They're like, well, yeah. we're, not, we're walking over to Brian's house. <laughs> He's really yeah, yeah, ribs left and right. Yeah. Um, so that should be coming out um, uh, next month. Yeah, it's the next issue. Oh, I'm so excited. I got a preview. Somebody sent me a preview of the layout and stuff like that. And thank okay. you for that. Change, changing my recipe but <laughs> i say my recipe it's actually my sister's recipe so I, people can read it, read about it obviously when it, and everyone should go out and purchase get get the magazine and support cook's country get a subscription but um i'm excited to share it because my sister who is a great korean cook but um she, she's very korean she cooks korean food every day and her husband must it's required that he eats rice at least two out of three meals every day so she's my go-to whenever i have a korean question or anything like that and um she showed me how to make this and then my mom too but my mom doesn't write anything down she's you know famous ethnic cook doesn't write anything down but my mom approves of this recipe um but thank you for including that in the <laughs> magazine. So. I, I loved it. I mean, are you kidding me? It's, it's honestly, it's honestly one of my favorite recipes. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, enough about me. All right. So let's talk about the fact that you grew up in the Philippines, which I did not know. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you yeah. like part Filipino? Uh, I wish. In spirit, yes, for sure. Because <laughs> I was like trying to see it. I was like, he do not look Asian to me. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, um, so my parents, uh, my dad was in the Air Force over there at Clark Air Force Base when I was born, and um, and I was there for, I think, the first three years of my life, um, give or take, uh, and we had a, a Filipino nanny, uh, whose name was Lori, and she was wonderful, and she loved my little brother a lot more than me, but, but <laughs> I still remember, uh, <laughs> I still remember, like, some of the dishes she would make, she would make lumpia, She'd do these whole roasted or maybe they were fried fish, um, uh, things that were wrapped in banana leaves, you know, chicken adobo. Like, I didn't think about it until years later, but when I, I started suddenly coming across, you know, Filipino food, uh, in, you know, as a, as a chef and as a, as a cook, but they, a lot of these dishes just seemed familiar to me. So mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love Filipino cooking, and it's one of those things that I need to explore more of as, as I travel around the country. So, 
Well, you always have, um, you always, obviously, you know, so much about food and, but yet you're always like, you want to learn. I, I, I always sense that you're like, oh, I discovered a new thing or you're always, I appreciate people who don't think that they know it all because, you know, there's, how can you know everything when it comes to food? Right. Yeah. But you grew up eating everything you grew up and you were traveling all over and, you know, as much as Italian, Asian, Chinese, like everything was part of your growing up food tradition, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we lived in the southeastern United States. So it was, so my dad was still in the work for the government. So he would get transferred every four years. So when we moved from the Philippines, it was to Florida, and then uh, another part of Florida, then South Carolina, Georgia. And, you know, so we were always, you know, essentially stationed down south. And my dad was a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I don't know how he survived in the Philippines. <laughs> as he did um but you know he's the type of guy who would go to japan and, and look look for mcdonald's uh, right. but my mom she was from new york um uh -huh. in coney island and she traveled around the world before she met my dad you know korea japan um she taking a lot of cooking classes mm -hmm. she loved so she always was making these these dishes, you know, everything from wontons to paella for us to eat as, as kids. And I just, oh, I love everything she made. Yeah. It, it was she sounds like a great lady. So she we would, maybe she was your inspiration. Like she, obviously she exposed you to so many different kinds of foods as a, as a young kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, you know, there was always her cooking was, was something that was, you know, I was fascinated by her cooking and her food, and I just loved it. And I, it's one of those things you take for granted until you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And they're like, all right, well, I really have this affinity and this attraction to, to, to food. And so I'd say in many ways, she's the reason why I got into cooking. Right. She gave you that master's course and that chef palette from a very young age. <laughs> Good for her. I, th I think that, and I know that your kids cook. Yep. Dad of dad of three. Right? Yeah, yeah, I see. I see you cooking quite a bit with your daughter on Instagram, and so fun. Yeah. Like uh, my kids love that. Um, what is it? Meat, meat, bre breakfast meats, <laughs> breakfast meats. They love that video. <laughs> I know. I love that too. Tell us about that tradition because it's so fun. You know, it, it's like all the kids like have one or two things that they they really enjoy. Like maybe. So my oldest son, he, he really loves pasta and rice, you know, so anything to do with those two things. But Layla, my, my daughter, they're in the middle. Um, and she's a gymnast, and she's always just, like, crushing, like, tons of protein and everything. And so <laughs> one day, I was like, I'm going to have steak and eggs for breakfast. And I, I just pulled out this ribeye and started cooking it, butter basting it, and, you know, fried up an egg to go with it. And she jumped into it and she just loved it. And then, so the next time we started videotaping it, just, to, you know, just filming it just to see what it was like. Cause she was playing with TikTok, and, you know, it's just one of those things that we enjoy doing it. And she, it's so funny cause you know, the behind the scenes of all these videos is like, you know, it's heated arguments, you know, but on camera, <laughs> but, you know, Camera, you guys are like a duo like you guys have it's like a coordinated dance of like ingredients and da 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 you know it's all it's all cut in the so you're using tiktok for that that's that's yeah. why you it's so uh obviously yeah. i can't i don't i don't tiktok because i'm too old but uh 
But uh, yeah, last time I was like, all right, well, let's try and get when we're shooting, when we're pulling it out of the oven and doing this. She's like, no, no, we're just going to shoot straight through. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I was like, all right. And <laughs> so that, that's the way it works best. And we just roll with it naturally. And if we miss a shot, we miss a shot. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, it's fun. They're really fun. And they really show the personality and the, the, the camaraderie between the two of you. It's really fun. My kids enjoy. And they, were, they wanted to know. They're like, how old is she? Because, you know, they kind of see themselves. Yeah. And they're like, you know, and I say, you know, kids cook. Because my kids like to cook, too. Um, and I think that's a really nice thing. I mean, you probably during had the kids at home during all of the quarantine and disagreeing with them um it must have been it must have been nice because i know you travel so much to be home with them you know maybe maybe not for you but (laughs) but for them certainly to have you home i didn't mind the quarantine so much i was lucky enough to you know keep my job and continue to work you know for uh country and that was fantastic um but i actually sort of enjoyed the time that i otherwise wouldn't have seen my kids for an entire year. I mean, I saw them a lot and it got to be, you know, there was, was a breaking point, but I enjoyed cooking all these meals with them. I enjoyed, you know, you know, sharing our new kitchen with them. Um, and just, you know, seeing how they adjusted everything. It was, it was a, it was a good time. I, I, despite all the, the bad things that came from it, you know, I, I will remember that as, you know, a nice period. Yeah, I think I think you can, you know, for all the bad and stuff like that, it will it will always be a special time that they will remember mm-hmm. um, the time where they had, you know, you around all the time cooking meals for them. And, you know, people love that kind of stuff. Or they will love it. And so you've got a dog during COVID. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we wanted to pick up dog poop. So uh, best way to do that is get your own dog. So. I know. Really? I have a dog too. Um, your dog is super cute. Is it Copper Catahoula? Copper the Catahoula. Yeah, you maybe you follow him on Instagram now. Yeah. Uh, well, does he have his own Instagram account? Well, I I I recall that it was a Catahoula because people always think that my dog is a Catahoula, and I'd never even heard of the word Catahoula until I got this dog. And people were like, "Is that a Catahoula?" And I was like, "A Cata what?" And so I looked up this dog, um, but my dog is not it. <laughs> so she is a mutt. But yours is super cute. <laughs> yeah, I thought yours was a, actually was a Catahoula. Your dog is really well trained, though. My dog is very well trained and I cannot take any credit for that. Gregor worked really hard for the first year because she um, she pretty much ate everything. um, And then he took it under control because she ate like, I don't know, like a dozen one pairs of shoes, you know, like just one. You know, I I would I would be like, if you're going to eat a pair of shoes, eat both of them, like you get it all out of your system. But it'd be like one sandal missing, one tennis shoe missing. I think she ate a hard drive. She ate like she basically ate the, you know, and that, but the thing is, you can't blame a puppy when they do that kind of stuff, because it's like children when they misbehave. It's blame it on the parents, because it's really the parents. are <laughs> But she's good now. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's um, he's much calmer. He's just over a year now. Um, so he, he's chilled out a good bit. I mean, he actually started to listen, and uh, it's good. We're enjoying him. Yeah, yeah it, it was fun he to have him. Do snacks? Do you make dog biscuits and stuff like that? Do you do that? You know, any of that? I'm that jerk who makes his own dog food. You do? Are you <laughs> yeah. serious? Yeah. I, I don't know why I decided to do this. But, you know, like before, like my last dog, I was like, I'm just going to give him whatever scraps fall out of the dumpster. And, you know, I didn't really right. care that much. And now, like, I, like, it's like, I'm going to get this dog. I'm going to take good care of him. And so I make his own 
food. Oh, and um, I had no idea. Yeah, you didn't know who you were dealing with. Yeah, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, so, I love animals and I think that's really awesome. Like, I don't think it's weird or anything, but, um, but that's a lot of work. I mean, it's a special occasion. Like I make a, I make gravy a plate on Thanksgiving, her own plate, you know, and, yeah. um, but every day, what, twice yeah. a day? <laughs> um, yeah, twice a day. So I make, you know, big batches of it and, um, it comes out cost wise to be about the same ish as buying kibble, but, um, which I also still buy just so to make sure he gets all his vitamins and whatever. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, it's like, when, it's when okay. don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be embarrassed. And fully you're that, you're that dog dad, you know, I couldn't get enough of cooking. So I, I just had to make dogs. Like too, you know, so. <laughs> well, you know, there might be a line, there could be a special Brian Rufa doggy edition, you know, special premium dog food collection coming out. Who knows? I right? will. I will make that for you and uh, you can sell it. And it's going to be great. I don't want my dog to taste that dog food because she's going to be like, afterwards, she won't eat anything else. She'll be like, what is this dry, crunchy kibble that you're giving me? I want one Brian's making, you know? So, <laughs> oh, I give my dog like, um, the like if I'm doing a bunch of recipes with just the yolks or just the whites or whatever, rather than save them, like a real cook should do is like use the whites for something else or use the yolks for something else. Like I'm just like too lazy. I'm just like I fry it and I give it to my dog. <laughs> so that, that's good. That's, no, what she, that's what she's good for. I now had to implement a no saving the egg whites rule in the house because what happens they end up in a bowl in the refrigerator and I reach in there for something else and then egg whites spill. You know. Oh, I know. They can't even put them in a Tupperware, so there's no egg whites being saved anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, uh, this house, the house where I live in, nobody eats any leftovers. And the, 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 we have two refrigerators, and no one knows where anything is. And so things get lost in there. You know, yeah. I, the kitchen, in a professional kitchen, when I worked in a professional kitchen, you know, that in and out, the oldest, you know, rotate it, label everything. I was really good about that. But at home, it's just like, it's like Jenga in there, like doo -doo 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 -doo, trying to get everything in there. It's like Tetris, you know, all that kind of stuff, trying to get the stuff. Like yeah. I, I imagine, I've seen your kitchen because you do cook in it. You seem to have a nice home kitchen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's we renovated it and it's, uh, I love it. I love my, my stove. Uh, I got a blue star, which is, uh, you know, they want to send me more, more stove. It's <laughs> um, but you know what we did when we moved back into the, to the kitchen, we started, um, uh, implementing like painter's tape and labeling everything. Oh, start yeah. fresh. So yeah. I got the, got the kids yeah. involved and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You should see the ways it, the way they spell bolognese. It's, uh, oh. it's <laughs> I always love that on like Instagram, people will like po post like, you know, the prep cooks and how they spell stuff, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they, um, so what did you cook last in your kitchen? Like what'd you cook before you came on or what'd you eat last? Or uh, you're cooking most of the food in the house. Yeah. I cook the majority of the food. Um, happily. I enjoy it. You know, I still could cook for work all day and, and then cook for dinner. Mm -hmm. um, but so the last thing I cooked was last night I made, uh, duck breast and ribeye rib uh, steak. I had a ribeye left over from breakfast meats weekend, and uh, then some duck breast that I had to were working on a recipe for. So uh -huh. did that I did with a a whole head of roasted cauliflower, which mm -hmm. I thought was a silly idea for a long time, and then I started doing it. And I was like, all right, it's kind of okay. <laughs> 
Your version is very good. I mean, it's, you know, it seemed at first I was the same way. It was like, it seemed kind of gimmicky, you know, it's like, what's the whole meaning? Obviously the presentation, because you can, voila, you know, it's like presenting a a full roasted bird or something like that, you know, because the vegetarians just get like, it looks like stir fry always just like the side dish. So this is like, feels ceremonial because you can get out the knife and whatever. But, um, but I imagine your version is very good. Yeah, you know, I, I, I load it. It's all about the sauce. You know, whatever you're going to coat the, the finished cauliflower with is, is really what dictates how good or bad it is. So I did one of those. Um, so it was anchovy, garlic, and herbs, um, yeah. brown butter. Um, did a white bean salad with um, green bell peppers, like sauteed green bell peppers and garlic. And nice. Is that one meal? This is like... Yeah, and I had a cucumber salad. So I, I can't have a meal where I just have one side dish. That just drives me crazy. Like, I need to have – so I'll make smaller side dishes. So I did the white bean salad, I did the, the cauliflower. I did um, uh, some some pickled cucumbers with, like, soy sauce and chili garlic um, uh-huh. oil. Um, always have rice. Uh-huh. This, this sauce for the duck that was uh, – uh, port in, from 1982. Uh, it's like a port wine, vinegar, and sugar, and, and fig reduction. Oh my gosh! And uh, it's like a men- it's like a restaurant. It's like today I will have today we're serving the duck breast with port wine reduction. And it's like- <laughs> this is this is like how I relax at the end of the day. Like I can, I'll bang it all out in like an hour because you know yeah. I don't have I'm not following recipes. I'm just like grabbing stuff out of the fridge or I need to use this. Kind of make it up on the fly and. And go for it. And that, to me, uh, is relaxing. And then I have all this stuff to eat at the end of it. So, Yeah. Well, that's great. Wow, that's impressive. Top that next guest. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. And then uh, yeah, and your kids, they eat everything? Um, the, part? <laughs> the oldest one eats everything and eats a lot of it. Like rice. We mm-hmm. go through so much rice. He's just like, God, he, he should be like a sumo wrestler size dude <laughs> he eats so much rice um but he's skinny as a rail jerk and uh like everything he, he really loves cheese uh-huh. uh lots of cheeses um layla in the middle uh she uh she eats a good bit of things you know loves protein loves pork loves steaks right we know that <laughs> Tanner, he's like, uh, you know, he's a, he's a work in progress. You know, um, he doesn't eat a lot, but, you know, like we'll have arepas and like for the 15th time and finally he'll eat them like, oh my God, these are so good. And like, right. yeah. Isn't that like a victory when they actually eat something that, you know, you're, you're, you say to them, you're going to love this. And they're like, I don't want it. And you're like, you're going to love it someday. And you're going to thank me. And they're like, I don't want yeah. it. And then one day they'll be like, Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> But you know what? He's going to camp in a couple of weeks for the first time for a sleepaway camp. So I feel like you come back with a brand new appreciation for your fine cooking. That's for sure. People don't realize, like, or I say people, kids don't realize, and like the people who, like the kids who grew up with like uh, parents who cook until they go sleepover or they go someplace else. And then they realize that everybody else's uh, family doesn't eat like that. And then they're like, oh, you've newfound appreciation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was 18 or 19 before I ever saw anybody eating mac and cheese. I had no idea oh. what the hell it was. I was like, what is that? Oh, you mean like mac and cheese like in a box, like the craft? I was like, I don't know what you're eating. It looks kind of good, but 
<laughs> what is this thing, man? <laughs> right. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, it's people, some people grew up on that. That's all they eat. And, you know, we yeah. take it for granted, like, you know, but people, a lot of people just eat things that come out of a box or things that are frozen. You pop it in the oven. And, you know, I mean, I understand that some people food is not that important to them or they just don't have the skills or they don't have the real ambition to kind of learn to do those things. And I get it. But, you know, <laughs> I feel like what a great uh experience for them the children because they're going to grow up just like you did you grew up and you don't realize until later in life how lucky you were to be exposed to all those different kinds of foods you know i feel like food is one of those um it's one of those simple like it's one of those affordable luxuries is the way i look at it is like i can't afford to take my kids all over the world the places i want them to go you know travel you know, but I, as much as i can i travel with them but you know but i can give them a unique experience by eating the foods from that country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I, um, yeah, that's one of those things that, you know, my mom did that connected us to so many different cultures, you know, without her even trying. Um, and you know, she, everything was, was homemade with her, you know, and the way I sort of rebelled when I got into my late teens was I insisted on only eating microwave. <laughs> of course. So I buy these TV dinners. I want you to buy these microwave pasta meals. And like, I would just crush those things. And then right. after, I the stoppers, you know, the, what the, what, what my friends are eating, you know? Yeah. 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 And it was kind of like it, what it was. And then after a year of doing it, I was like, okay, that stuff's really not that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you realize it, you realize it, but you know, I think that's, it's the natural thing to do is to rebel, you know, like I, I, I same thing. My mom cooked, we never, we rarely ate out in the restaurants. And if we did, we'd go to like some Chinese Korean restaurant, but we rarely went out to eat and we hardly ever had any fast food. And it was a real treat for me when I did, because I had it so rarely. And then, um, you know, like even when I went to other people's houses and I had stuff that probably came out of a box or whatever, it was really exciting for me because I didn't have it at home. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think the first time I ever had, um, like chicken fingers or th <laughs> things like that. Was I going to sleep over? Like, I don't know what that was. Yeah, it just blew your mind, right? It was yeah. Like, wow. it's like, oh. But you know, it's like, it's crunchy, fried deliciousness. I was like, oh, it's delicious. Yep. Yeah, of course, then you know later that it was just maybe, it wasn't even real chicken tenders. It was like processed pressed meat or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when you were, when you um, were growing up, in the south i know that you love um barbecue or you i have a i have a strong affection for barbecue and if you i say this right now i'm putting it out there if you ever need a, an assistant someone to hold your coffee or fetch something while you're on your barbecue road trips like i'm your gal i will fly pay my own way because i want to do bar i love barbecue but i don't i want to um like I haven't really done, I call it the, the barbecue belt, you know, like the Bible belt, like there's a barbecue belt. I, since I'm not from there, I don't have a, a regional affiliation to anyone. So I'm like, I'm a, I like it. I like it all. Like, I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, there's people from Texas are all like only Texas barbecue, only South Carolina, whatever. Like I like it all, but I want to go and I want to eat barbecue with people who really know barbecue. So anyway, I'm putting it out there. What's your yeah. favorite, what's your favorite kind of barbecue? First of all, you're hired because you know Steve is using two cameras. He got something in each hand. He can't hold anything, so um, right. I don't need a, somebody to hold the coffee. But um, <laughs> know, my, my favorite barbecue, you know, I won't say that one is better than the other. It's just that they're all different. I right. really enjoy Texas barbecue. 
um, because I like I like the way it's cooked. I like the way it's seasoned. I like how simple it is. I like that there's not um, a heavy emphasis on the sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. You know, I just went to Kansas City two years ago and for the first time, and I was really skeptical before I, I landed there. I was like, this is not going to be good. It's going to be what? Kansas City is famous for their barbecue. You went in skeptical? They're also famous for their sauce. Um, and, you know, you get all these watered-down versions of Kansas City sauce here on the East Coast, and it's like these overly sweet, just really not good bottled sauces. And so that's what I expected to find. But what I, what I did find was that, yeah, they're, they're, the barbecue underneath the sauce is, is fantastic. And the sauce, for the first time, I understood the balance of the sweet because there's also a heavy amount of black pepper, which mm-hmm. I imagine tamped down in a lot of these commercial sauces um, that really elevated the barbecue, you know, to, to and made it different, you know. I think the, the barbecue I liked most in Kansas City kind of leaned um, a little bit more towards Texas style, mm-hmm. but but also incorporating the use of sauce that Kansas city has become famous for, you know, so like Tyler Harp was fantastic at Harp barbecue. That was some of the best barbecue I've eaten. And he's somebody you should eventually talk to or go visit because he's such a great guy and he's going to yeah. be a, a huge name if he's not already in barbecue. Um, like in, in uh, Texas, I really enjoyed Ronnie, Ronnie Killen's barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pearland, Texas, just outside of Houston. Um, the first barbecue I ever had in Texas, and this is like not fair. Um, so I was with um, Aaron Franklin. Um, <laughs> and I didn't understand what I was about to eat. And so I ate the brisket like on the back of my car or something, which I do a lot of as I travel. Yeah. I eat a lot of those on the trunk of the car. Um, and I was like, all right, this brisket, whatever, it's barbecue. And then it was only after I started going to all these other barbecue places for the next four or five years that I was like, damn, I wish I had appreciated that brisket a lot more. Cause it, right. I know like how, how hard it is to cook a great brisket like that. And it, you know, it was, yeah, he's the, but he's the best. It's, you know, I haven't gone to his actual, I've only had his um, barbecue here in Portland cause he's come for some events and things like that. But I mean, I've yeah. when you watch the videos and he makes it look so easy. Like you just put the thing and just put it in and forget about it. <laughs> like it's so, we try to make brisket at home and it's I mean it's pretty it's good for home brisket, but it's I mean there's a reason why these pit masters are masters at what they do. Yeah, we um our deputy food editor at Cook's Country, Morgan Bowling, did this recipe for, for brisket on a uh, Weber kettle grill. Mm-hmm which is one of the things, I don't know if you know who Daniel Vaughn is, the barbecue editor from Texas Monthly. <laughs> Not personally, but I wish I did. <laughs> Before I went to Texas for the first time, I called him up and said, hey, Daniel, what, what are some Texas dishes I should cover for the magazine? And he was like, and I remember the way he said, he's like, first of all, you should make a goddamn brisket that you don't put in the oven after two hours on the grill. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so that like stuck with me. Him and I are good friends, so it, <laughs> I can make fun of him. Um, but oh, you know, it was um, this, this something that stuck with me. And then we took two years, and Morgan took two years really to over, you know, when I say years, I mean the, the warm weather season in Boston. Mm-hmm. 
seasons uh, to really perfect that recipe on the Weber kettle. And it's honestly, we sent it back to Daniel Baum once it was published, and he he enjoyed it himself. And it's it's a good good recipe, especially considering it's on a kettle grill. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's what I appreciate. Uh, you guys, you guys thoroughly test the recipes and, and multiple times and um, in scenarios that you feel that people, the most people can actually achieve a result at home, because it's one thing to have a very specialized uh, piece of equipment or tool or something like that. But you know, you get, the average person's not going to have that. So, um, you know, like I, I make my kibe and that we, we do it on it. We have the big green egg is what we use just we just happen to have that but my nephew he uses a traeger and i know that you you tested it on the weber grill because you're like this is what most people have like nothing else this is probably what they have and if they can have success here they can also you know do it on the other things so i mean for an average recipe that get, goes in the magazine how many times do you test it would you say or and you i know you even have different people test the recipe yeah so we um you know i'd say Average, you know, could be anywhere between what we, we typically do in a non-COVID year, which uh, we would do more average between 10 and 15 tests. And those are not just like one-off singular tests. Those are side-by-side, by-side tests, you know, mm -hmm. so we've got two or three variables going on uh, per test. Um, so, you know, at the end of it, you could have made 30 to 40 five versions of, of the same recipe. Um, mm -hmm. so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, tweaking those things, you know, we have questions about, well, what happens if you do this or what happens if you don't do this? Um, you know, just if you've got a curious mind about food, it's a great, great atmosphere to be in. Right. You know, for the last year with COVID, we, you know, so and then all those recipes get sent off to, we have a, a panel of volunteer folks who just read the magazine who want to cross test our recipes for free and they're just like yeah and they give us feedback we take that feedback we build better recipes with it we have mm -hmm. a, an off-site recipe tester who used to work with us and is our, how we how we develop recipes and she tests every single recipe in the magazine mm -hmm. uh, and then we partner up with each other on the team and so i'll make your recipe you you make my recipe mm -hmm. and feedback so there's a lot that goes into it you know and the recipes are so dynamic that, you know, there's, we keep both of us be making the same recipe and get completely different results. So it's trying to minimize all the variables that produce those different results. So, right. Well, which is great because I wish more places did that because, you know, it's not, there's nothing more disappointing than when you shop for all the ingredients and, you know, you get all excited about making something and you think you follow the recipe and then it's just not, something went wrong <laughs> or it just doesn't taste like you wanted it to. And there's, and then you don't want to make it again, you know? So yeah, you know, there's nothing worse than that. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. A dog in here. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hey guys, see his tail right there. Um, yeah, you know, it, I honestly I can't. It's very hard for me to follow recipes these days, um, just because I could almost read through them and understand w where they're missing steps or right um, or where they might go wrong. So when I read recipes, I, I read them like you said earlier for inspiration and mm -hmm. uh, and flavor combinations, you know, techniques that I might not be applying to different to certain foods that I should be or I could try. Um, so, yeah, it, but it is, my wife follows recipes. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for the most part, I'll follow recipes for baking recipes for sure, because, you know, it's more, I mean, there's a little bit of science, a, little bit, a lot of science going on there. So I don't want to, but then, you know, after a while you get to know what ingredients are essential ingredients, which, which, which ones are like more of a, you know, optional, or it doesn't really matter, like exactly how many onion, like how much onion you put in, like, is it going to, not a deal breaker? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when, um, we all, got locked down like everybody else. I started making sourdough. Oh, you're, ah. <laughs> so we have a friend of ours who's like, I'd consider like an expert bait, you know, very yeah. good. For, for many, many months, he was dropping off uh, a, a pound of me every every Sunday. My kids uh, would eat the whole thing in like the entire day. And, but he was yeah. just, just, he just did it because he loved baking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, Frank, my sourdough is not coming out. It's not big. And it's like, you know, the, the holes are all messed up. And he's like, um, he's like, all right, well, what recipe are you following? I'm like, nah, I'm not really following a recipe. He's like, <laughs> you understand that if you follow a recipe, it comes out exactly the same every single time, right? Yeah, um, you got to follow a recipe for sure. Um, but you're having success with your sourdough now? Nope, I, I, I gave it up. Oh. <laughs> that was quick. I was done. Yeah, you know, it, 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 now it's now it's warm out, so I'm not going to bake anything. So well, it takes a different mentality. Like I don't, I, you know, I, obviously I went to culinary school. I studied, you know, baking and stuff like that, and I made all those things. But I, I don't really have a, a love of um, bread baking because uh, I don't know, it's the doing something. I want like immediate results. Like you do it, you let it ferment you gotta wait like 12 hours later you gotta like to give it give it a turn like all that stuff i i want to i want to like you know bang out like you like dinner like i got all these things i did it all in 45 minutes you know (laughs) so So. well so long as you i think so long as you have somebody in your life like hopefully your friend is still giving you bread or you know and then nowadays they have so many great bakeries too i always say like yes they need to make business i mean just go buy the bread (laughs) Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's exactly what we do. Like again, my daughter and I will go on Sundays and pick up croissants and all types of bread from the local bakery. And she's told me that's what we do every Sunday. Although we don't do it every Sunday, but when we remember it, it becomes what we do every Sunday. So. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you had a little uh, nerdy moment with your sourdough because it wouldn't be COVID without. You know, I would expect yeah. that. Of you. <laughs> you know, everybody has to have that moment. So, um, did you learn it? Did you learn how to do anything else during COVID? Like any other new kitchen skills or talents? Let's see. Um, I learned to be a little bit more patient. Um, <laughs> I learned how much I learned to clean up a lot after my kids in the kitchen. Um, right. Perfected loading and, and unloading the dishwasher. You know, I yeah. know, you know, I just, <laughs> I, no, I just enjoyed kind of being here and being around the family actually, which is, it's crazy to hear some people say nowadays, but. <laughs> it's a special time for sure you know oh i was gonna ask you before you before i forget like we were talking about um pepper right Um, and i know you guys review uh kitchen equipment from time to time and Mm -hmm. i always look at those because i found some really great um kitchen tools you don't have so much room so i like to get i like to have the best version of something you know and it's not necessarily the most expensive version too but like the thing that works and so we have i've gotten I've gone through so many pepper grinders, like all the, 
all the ones that you would think, right? <laughs> and yeah. then they have these crazy pepper grinders that are so expensive. But then I think, is it worth it? Like, no, no it can't be worth it. It's too expensive. So anyway, I was going to ask you what your thoughts on pepper grinders were. And if you had that and if you had a favorite kitchen tool. Well, um, all right, favorite kitchen tool. I'll start there because that's easier. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Everybody will say knife, and yeah, it's true. Um, but I also like a fish spatula and a good pair of tongs. You know, so okay, knife and a good wooden cutting board. I, I I need to have a good solid cutting board. I don't like it when I see people like cutting and oh, it's, it's not level and it's wobbly, wobbling everywhere. I'm like, oh my god, it's making me nauseous. Um, right. Yeah, so those pieces of equipment. Um, those are all essentials. Well, except maybe the fish spatula. Not that many, unless you, you know. But it's a fish spatula. They call it a fish spatula, but it's, you know, basically like a flexible metal spatula that you can use for basically anything. Yeah, it, I use it, you know, it's one of the, the tools that I bring with me when I go stay at like an Airbnb or something, and I know I'm going to be cooking for, for the week because it, you could use it in place of a whisk. You could use it, you know, obviously for, you know, flipping things over, but it works for pancakes it works for fish it works for steaks it works for right. all manner of things and um byo fish spatula yeah absolutely. <laughs> that, wait, my, my favorite is that little um small offset spatula oh yeah 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 i use that for everything so i Maybe. never use like a butter knife or anything like that i use a little offset spatula for any spreading whatsoever you know it that's funny that you mentioned it for butter knife because i stuck it in the butter dish the other day i was like you know this is gonna be good because we don't have like a proper good small butter knife it's always like the mm -hmm. long one that's hanging off the butter dish so right. I was like, right, I'm gonna put this little thing in the butter and i came back like an hour later and somebody tossed it in the sink like it was just <laughs> it was just a bad idea so i was like all right whatever um you can, you can only control so much you know the people will put like you know <laughs> a, I, my house wooden wooden things go in the dishwasher and all sorts of things that shouldn't go in the dishwasher go in the dishwasher it's just after a while you're just like uh, if it survived to survive if it doesn't you know what am i gonna do um so pepper mills um mm -hmm. i don't know the name of the pepper mill that i have but i know it wasn't that expensive and mm -hmm. what i would do i would never spend that much money on pepper yeah, because they're like the ones I'm talking about, like five hundred dollars. No, never gonna happen. Yeah, crazy. You know, I would sooner just grind pepper and you know for and pestle three, <laughs> for three or four days, and then just like sprinkle it on everything, and then just grind some more in the in the spice grinder. But right. I think I, I have one right currently, you know, I have the, you know, the, um, the kind that everyone has, you know, the wooden one, what is it called? Oh What's yeah. yeah. Peugeot, where, <laughs> what is it? How does that work? Do you like that it one? It's fine. But you know, I got a collection of them in my cabinet because they all like at some point something happens and they don't work that great, but I've been using the same kind of, uh, I want to say it's by OXO, but it's not the, it's like the tall, it's like a tall stainless steel version and it works pretty well. But anyway, I just saw that I saw, I've been seeing a lot of chatter on the internet about these very expensive pepper grinders and i was like you know if it was super worth it and i felt like if it would last like it was something that i could leave for my children you know on my deathbed i leave you my rolex and the pepper mill you know <laughs> like you know if it was something like that then it might be a worth it well investment but i'm like i'm gonna ask brian because i'm pretty sure he's gonna say it's not worth it <laughs> you know i i think yeah i can't imagine that it's uh so I'm looking it up now that because you got my I'm curious. So I, <laughs> I bought this one. It's called from Cole and Mason. It's uh, uh -huh. it's 49 bucks. Okay, you can see through it mm -hmm. uh, and adjust the grind. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to pop the top off to refill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should get some sponsorship dollars here. I know, really. The one you're describing kind of sounds like mine. Like you can, I like the fact that you can see where the pepper is, so you can, you know, you don't run out. Because I try, I travel with the pepper mill, you too. So I want to make sure it's full before I take it anywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you can adjust the grind, which I think is key. Uh, in my house, I'm a fine grind person. Uh, Gregor is a coarse grind, and I'm always like, ah, the first time I, it's always like big chunks of whatever. It doesn't matter. Like obviously, I'll do a coarse grind if it's like a steak or something like that. But yeah. I want coarse grind on everything. But he's a coarse grind on everything kind of guy. What kind of animal did you marry? Huh? I know, really. You should see how messy he is in the kitchen too. Anyway, <laughs> but I can't. I forgive him because he makes pizza and he makes sourdough. So. <laughs> yeah, two things that i don't want to do yeah there you go <laughs> nice nice and uh do you um do you have a favorite beverage we only talk about food but like you know yeah you know i love uh i love orange wines uh yeah. sure. um big fan of orange wines i also for cocktails i love Geez, do we even do we maybe got some of these when we were together uh, in Portland? But uh, mezcal gimlets, those are my favorite. Oh, I've never had them with mezcal gimlet. Wow. Yeah, that's that that's would be good. Signature yeah. drink right there. So you got to come back to Portland. You know, we got yeah. more micro distilleries than any other per capita. We got all the beer, the we got the old, we got the orange wine, we yeah. got all that stuff. Plus I, epic beauty. What's that? I say, I say epic beauty, like scenic beauty, not like okay. people. <laughs> No, I, I came right back here to Boston after, uh, you know, meeting you like a day after we met and hearing you talk so much about Oregon as a whole, you know, and I was like, oh, we got to go back. There's like mountains, there's deserts. There's- oh, I know. You just, you just touched the tip of Port- just Portland, you know, but the reason why Portland's great is because of all the ingredients that come from all over the other, and it's so different, you know. Anyway, I won't go into my whole or- organ spiel. I'm always trying to get all my uh, food people to come to Oregon and taste how amazing the state is because it's not just Portland. It's you know all the ingredients and all the stuff, and then there's all the stuff to do too. Like if you want to pick stuff, forge stuff, hunt stuff, like yeah. fish stuff. Like there's all, there's stuff like if you want to get the ingredients, there's all that opportunity here. It's so fun. So maybe I'll I'll plan a second trip because yeah, I feel like. We were only there for a few days. We only touched on a, a handful oh, of things. Yeah, you had some pho, you had some chicken and rice, you had some sausages, and then you're out of town. <laughs> yeah. You need to come back. So, so good. Uh, I loved it. It was a great You come experience. back. You come back. I'll plan your itinerary, and then you invite me on a barbecue trip, and I will uh, come. I will come. I will I will bring wet naps. I'll do whatever. <laughs> so. That's one of those things that um, I started doing uh, – on all my road trips now, I, I carry a backpack with me. It has like, you know, some magazines or hats or my notebook or whatever. And yeah, I always put like, I want to know, like, what's in there? Oh, it's a survival kit. It's like a food editor survival kit. Right. Here's what it is: is a water bottle that you probably forget that you have. Yeah. Uh, there's magazines so I can tell people what I do. There's business cards. There's a lot of antacid in there. So there's some Tagamet <laughs> HP and some Tums, uh, you know, some gum. And uh, and then the most important thing that we started carrying is um, bandanas because uh, you run out of napkins pretty quick. Oh, and really? Bandanas are like, we'll save the day. So And they're cheap, so you can just get them. And if they're too messy, you just throw them in the trash. But <laughs> right, oh yeah. yeah. See, I'm like the I'm like the ever since kids, I've got the 
the wet wipes. Like I'm yeah. wet wipe city. I got wet wipes for everything. They're like in every single cubby, every single car, every single travel, okay. whatever. Because people get messy. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> seem very you seem very you, you, we'd get along on the road together very well. You're great. I, you know, people say that they're good travelers and I don't believe it. I believe you're a good traveler, but people say, because, you know, I work for, I worked in the travel industry for a while and um, I travel with all sorts of like professional travelers and they'd be, and I would like, and I want to say, you're not a very good traveler. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they get all stressed out that they're going to miss their flight or there's no, I'm like, where's your sense of adventure? Like when the roads, roads close, the restaurants close, and we have to go someplace else or we have to eat someplace that we didn't fully vet. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't know if we should eat there. It's like, where's your sense of adventure? Like that, look at that guy who's standing in the window. Like he looks authentic. Let's go inside, you know? That's, yeah, I know. It's hard to, to convince people when you're traveling to, to take those chances, you know? So it's, uh, right. you're right. There's, you must there's be so excited that COVID like is, you know, opening up and you can get out and travel and see people again. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I just came back from Charleston, South Carolina, which is actually the first trip that Steve Kleiss and I took together was mm -hmm. to South Carolina and we ended in Charleston. So we kicked this one off going back to Charleston, I interviewed, uh, Rodney Scott, speaking of barbecue. And, nice. Yes. Uh, Carolina barbecue. I don't want to forget that. That I do love whole hog barbecue. You know, so good, so good. Fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to it's good to start traveling again. Um, oh, I think I me and uh, so it's it's good to get back out there. Well, you know, I'm glad that you're doing what you do. I'm um, thank you so much for sharing these kind of like these regional things because you know people american food gets kind of i don't know like people think of american food they think it's everyone else's food but there really is like there's american food based on history that has happened in different regions by different people who have come to this country at some point whether by choice or not um but they've um made this food their own and it's become something entirely different from like maybe the motherland or whatever um and it's really great to explore that. And I think that's what Cook's Country does so well is they share those stories and then make an ex they make them accessible so that someone at home, maybe you've never been or maybe you won't have a chance to go to that that part of the country, but just, you know, make it and experience a bit of that history. Yeah, America's story told through food. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a podcast there. You should host it maybe. <laughs> you know, like everybody and their brother has a podcast. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, well, when I get off, off of this one, I'm going to start it right now. <laughs> I know. Well, anyway, I've been enjoying watching you on the on the show, too. Tell people how they can watch um, Cook's Country, the, the show. Oh, it's usually uh, on PBS on the weekends for sure. And Saturday, Sunday, you know, time slots when they show all those, all the cooking shows. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to check your local listings. Uh, it, it airs on the... Oh gosh, what is that? The Create Channel that you know does the repeats of all the of all the home improvement and cooking shows. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you go to the website, we always feature the. I think without a membership, you could you could access the current season's episodes of Cook's Country TV. Right, I downloaded um, on from Amazon Prime. So oh, I yeah, you know, that's right. We're also on uh, on Prime on Roku, and Pluto. 
I think we're yeah, we're in places I don't I don't go and watch the show. To be honest with you, you gotta tell the people how they can watch you. You know, and it's just you're be ready. We have a list list ready right. to go. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's fun. I mean, I don't really wa I don't really watch TV like regular TV or episodic TV. So yeah. I have to download and I, but it's convenient because I can watch little snippets here and there. But you know, it's really fun. It's, it's, Fun to see you uh, cooking in person too, not just you know reading your stories and reading uh, the recipes, but to see you see you do stuff on TV. So you you do a good job. Yeah, thank you so much. I, uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. It's fun to it's fun to do. So. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for joining me for episode seven of Food People Are the Best People. You are a fine example, Brian Roof of Cooks Country Magazine. Be sure to check out the magazine, the show. Follow them at Cooks Country on Instagram for all the great recipes, ideas, and inspiration. Mm -hmm.